All right, everyone. Hello there, and thanks for joining us here on the Lions Guide community, where we help you reach heightened levels of success by providing resources for improving your performance and your leadership skills. Or as I like to say, we're going to save this world by helping people have more courage and be better leaders. So here you can expect to be both inspired and empowered as we explore the stories of our guests and the lessons they've learned. Uh, we also interview various subject matter experts and also review books and other resources to help you establish clarity, have courage, and lead the way. I'm your host, Dale Walls, and I'm the founder of Lion's Guide. And as such, on today's episode, this is a replay of a streamcast that uh, Flip and I did. And it's a part one review of the Man in the Arena Tom Brady documentary. And if you don't know what that is, uh, Man in the Arena is in... ESPN sports documentary where Tom Brady shares a really firsthand account of his Super Bowl appearances and it deconstructs the milestones of his legendary NFL career. Uh, hate him or love him. You got to give him that much. And um, in each episode, he explores really the pivotal moments of his life, both on and off the field. And uh, this was something that Flip and I wanted to dive into because there was just a lot there. And what I love about it is just uh, I learned a lot about who Tom Brady was, but, you know, I, I loved how he had a ton of humility. Uh, There's a lot of lessons throughout the series. So uh, Flip and I wanted to go through it and, and dig some of that out and share it with the uh, Lions Guy community. So this is actually part one of two uh, where, you know, Flip, uh, if you don't know who Flip is, uh, that's Keith Griffin, who is our Lions Guy leadership coach. And in this episode today, we're going to review the first few episodes of the Tom Brady documentary, and they really explore those various uh, leadership lessons and insights from the show that we picked up on and wanted to highlight and share with you. So uh, before we get started, hit that subscribe button now so you don't miss any of our other great guests and content, number one. Uh, two, I'm excited to announce that this episode is sponsored by Athletic Brewing Company. Um if you've been listening to the podcast, um, you may have heard a number of guests and I, and this wasn't intentional, but what I love about it, that this conversation comes up to where we, as high performers or leaders, and we're really trying to reach the next level, uh, a lot of the guests along the way, uh, we've talked about how them and myself included, you know, really decided to give up alcohol. Um, for me, it wasn't because of any major event or DUI or whatever, nothing like that. I know there's stories like that, but mine's not. But, you know, for me, um, you know, I just, uh, I knew it wasn't serving me um, in any positive way. In fact, I knew the opposite was true. I, I hated uh, drinking and feeling like crap. And, you know, I, I tell people often, you may have heard me say it on here before, that, you know, I want to be going... 120 every day. Um, and if I show up and I'm even at 99% of my capacity, I'm frustrated. <laughs> you know, I, I just want to be productive. I want to get stuff done. And so, um, you know, I, I chose not to drink. And am, am I out here boohooing, you know, drink? No, man, to each their own. If, if, if drinking's you, great, you know, have fun. Do you. Uh, it, I just learned it didn't serve me. Um, but I came across Athletic Brewing Company um, really through friends of the Lions Guy community. And, you know, because when you switch from drinking and you go on to not drink, you choose to. Uh, and this is a part of the conversation I love with the guests that we've had. There's there's this this issue, the social issue, you know, this this seemingly 
uh, social obligation to drink. And, uh, you know, over the, the, the last uh, year or so now that I've chosen not to drink, I, I've had to figure that out. And I've done that through different non-alcoholic drinks because in the beginning, it kind of sucks. You're, you're kind of, and, and that's just full disclosure. Disclosure, you're kind of sitting there and you got water in your hand. Everyone else is drinking. You look like the, the odd duck. And uh, I, I compensated that by, you know, getting non-alcoholic uh, drinks and beers and whatever. Um, and I came across Athletic Brewing. And, you know, the thing with the other non-alcoholic beers, like they don't have a lot of taste. Some of them taste awful. <laughs> you know, I won't throw any names out there. But, you know, sometimes you're limited in what available uh and they either taste like crap or they taste like water and and whatever but then enter athletic brewing company and i gotta tell you uh this stuff tastes freaking awesome and uh i wasn't even into craft beer to be honest with you i was a a, a light beer drinker you know whatever and uh man this stuff tastes great which i really appreciate it so it gives me something that you know that's not water. It's not coffee, which is my normal throughout the day drink. When I'm hanging out, you know, now I've got this athletic brewing and they got tons of different IPAs and lagers and whatever. And again, I wasn't even into all this craft beer scene. And I really, I'm still not, but it was nice to like drink this stuff. It's not alcoholic and dude, it tastes awesome, which then kind of got me into wanting to try the craft beer stuff a little bit, or at least their different flavors. Um, so uh, so athletic brewing company, uh, happy to have them on board as a lion's guy community partner here and promote really, you know, just having that in my arsenal, um, of being a high performer, being a leader. And, uh, and I tell you that the quality is awesome. It's really great flavor. Everyone I, I give to, I'll say, Hey, try this, even their drinkers. And again, not trying to, uh, tell people not to drink, but to say, you don't have to drink, you know, uh, if, if you want to try something different. Um, and you know, <laughs> this stuff tastes great. I, I, that's all I can say. It's just, it tastes really good. It stands shoulder to shoulder with any of the top alcoholic craft beers in quality and taste. Um, it's not a ton of calories, right? It's only like 50 to 70 calories per can. Um, so if you're into fitness or otherwise, you know, trying to monitor what you're taking in, um, you know, it's, it's, really not a heavy lift, you know, you drink a few or whatever, and they're only 50, 70 calories a can or whatever. So it's no big deal. So, but what I love about it is like, you don't have to compromise, uh, your social life or choose between having a, a great beer and, and as well, keeping your edge. And that's what it's all about. And I guess back to that 120 thing that I was saying earlier, you know, I want to keep my edge. I want to get up. I get up early every day and I don't want anything to kind of put that at risk. And uh, I'm thankful to uh, have come across Athletic Brewing. Again, I'm proud to have Athletic Brewing as a part of the Lions Guide community. Um, I got a link out there in the show notes. If you're interested in checking out, I highly encourage it. Uh, they give uh, free shipping on orders of two six packs or more. Uh, so grab two six packs, six packs and and let me know what you think. Um, I, I love talking about it because it's cool. And, and again, it's a part of the journey. Um, you know, maybe it's not for everyone non-alcoholic, but for those who are looking for another option, here's one that works for me, you know. Um, so I, I love the Athletic Brewing brand. Um, happy to promote them here and, and have them a part of my story. And uh, if you choose to give them a shot, I'm, I'm sure you'll love it too. So, so let's enjoy some beer without compromise together. Again, the link's in the show notes. Grab it. Check it out. And Athletic Brewing, hey, welcome aboard. Um, next up, you know, I just wanted to also add that aside from that, uh, we've got a lot of exciting news and releases coming out of Lions Guide in the coming weeks and months. Um, we're adding to the team. 
Uh, we're adding to the library or adding to the live sessions. Um, so we're really uh, heads down this summer uh, working on what's next, you know? Um, and I found over the last year of doing this, it kind of like, I know what I started doing. I, I knew I was focused on leaders and I know to be a leader, you got to be a high performer. And over the last year of my uh, clients, you know, that have come in for coaching and the other things that we're doing with Lions Guide, uh, they've all been business owners. And I, I'm, and I guess coming from my, the first chapter of my life, starting a company, uh, run it for 15 years through to exit. Uh, I see, I, now I see, right. Um, even though I started this kind of like, Hey, I want to go help leaders because to be a great leader, you got to be a high performer, but the folks that have been coming really seeking investing, uh, seeking to invest in themselves um, with me and the Lions Guide team have been business owners. So that said, uh, really hunkering down on knowing that, how can we help serve business owners better, um, help you be more productive, help you have more clarity of your mission, uh, the things you need to do, help you grow, help you be a better leader. Um, so uh, make sure if you haven't, uh, head over to lionsguide.com, join our free members community. So you don't miss out on any of the stuff that we've got in store for you. Uh, we've got book, book and challenge clubs coming out. So if you've been on our Facebook community, you'll see we've been doing a, a fitness challenge club for the last few months. Uh, just kind of, you know, you don't have to do it, but something for you to challenge yourself with. Uh, we had the month of miles that we did a podcast on, uh, this is July. So we're doing, uh, so we're mixing it up this month. We're doing, so I think like a thousand burpees, uh, reducing our, um, screen time average and getting at least one book done. Uh, other things we've got going, we've got community events going on. We've got live streams and trainings. Uh, we've got some new courses releasing in September, which I'm super excited about, but I'm not going to spoil that yet. Um, and you know, other things we'll have discounts on our, our ongoing membership to Lions Guide Academy and a whole lot more. So I'm super pumped, but, uh, the, the message for you today is get out there, join the Lions Guide community. So you get firsthand access to everything that we've got going on that you don't miss out again, especially if you're a business owner or if you're just someone who cares about your ability to perform and lead Man, head over lionsguide.com. Join our free members community. Uh, would love to have you and share in your growth with you. So get out there and check it out. Join today. And I think that's plenty to drag out the start of this show. Hope you enjoy it. Man in the Arena, part one. Let's start the show. What's going on, everybody? How is, uh, how's everybody's Thursday today? Welcome uh, to the Flipside Streamcast Live. Uh, as always, on the third Thursday, fourth Thursday of the month, uh, Dale's back. He let me, he let me, let me go on my own last week. And now he's back. So now you're back. Uh, yeah, that's true. I'm back too. So um, but we got a fun one for you today. Uh, one, I think we're pretty both excited about one. We're going to take, I think in a couple different directions. Uh, and as always, we would normally do a book review on the last, uh, Thursday of the month, but we decided uh, a couple months ago that we were going to look at man in the arena, that Tom Brady story on ESPN. 
and um, do a documentary review. I think that's uh, there's a lot of leadership lessons in it. And uh, full disclosure, I think both of us thought in the very beginning, sure, we'll get through all 10 episodes in one of our episodes and going through it. And to be honest, I hadn't watched it until last week. Um, uh, we can't. Uh, it's very tough to do because there is a ton of leadership lessons that you can take from this and that you can gain from it. Um, and very interesting. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was very interesting about, about all that, um, with, with all those types of things. So I think that was good. Um, so yeah. So how you doing Dale before we get going? How you doing? Doing good, man. Got a jam packed day. Glad we're hopping in uh, and you know, full disclosure, right? We talked about doing this, uh, we were going to hit the whole documentary and then you hop on a call and you, you bail me out cause I've watched it all before. And I was uh, re-watching it. Uh, this is my month of Murphs, and um, I was um, month of Murphs, and I've been watching it again while I've been doing the Murphs in the morning. And so, <laughs> I've only through seven the second round through. So this yeah. morning, I'm like, Flip's gonna have to bail me out for you know episodes eight through yeah, ten. Well, it's but good. Uh, I just hear you come. You're like, much. we're only doing five. I'm like, Steve? oh, thank God. So another full disclosure. One of the reasons why I have not watched this from the beginning is because it's a very painful <laughs> thing for me if everybody gets my drift. I know. Like before in the green room, before we got started, I see you go take your Lions Guide shirt off. I and, did, and, and I had to bills. put it on. Full, yeah. Full just there it is, right? So there's no there's no bias here. You know, None. Bias, and no. but here's what I'll tell you. Before watching this, and even before it came out, when when Brady left for Tampa Bay. Um, I did see him in a different light when he's not pummeling you for 20 years or 19 years, whatever it was, you see the person in a very different light. Uh, and I actually saw him change. So Buffalo fans probably have a very unique perspective of him, um, than anyone else. Well, unless you're a Jets or you're a Dolphins fan as well. So, um, so full disclosure, I am hundred percent born and bred in the 716 Buffalo, New York. I went through the, you know, the left wide left. I went through the next three years, the lost helmet. I went through it all. Go, go watch falls of Buffalo. If you haven't watched that one too, that's an amazing story about those leaders too. And what they went through in some very much adversity going through it all. So, um, but I'm going to try to stay as unbiased as I can with this. And I looked at it as leadership and not it as a team, even though it was uh, painful to watch, Buffalo getting destroyed by them all those years and just reliving the open wounds. But, uh, but yeah, so let's go. So you're uh, re-traumatized through. Yeah. And I think something too, that we're going to find as we talk today, and this is for all of our listeners and, and those who are going to watch later. Um, there were life lessons. There were football lessons, which I kind of equated to sports lessons. And then there were just, how do I, how can you turn this into a team that you work with as a business or you work with as, you know, in, in any other, in other realm. And I thought it was, it was good. And then um, the context too, being that it's football and that it's a definitely an old boys club. There were some definite things about being in an old boys club that came out of it, which is, I mean, it, it is, I mean, that's, you know, uh, Laura Colbert and I talked about it last week that, you, you know, you have to know sometimes that you're entering into that or that it is that. And we're trying to deconstruct some of that as much as we go. And the NFL is one of them. They're trying to, you know, put in more women uh, for coaching and stuff like that. And so 
Um, I think uh, some of those lessons came out, especially in the older episodes. I felt like I was watching Disney where they have to put, hey, you're going to see smoking by, you know, by Pete, uh, you know, or whatever. Mickey's going to, you know, whatever, say dumb dog or something like that. So, um, but it was good. I just, I I thought we're going to get into those. And so for that. Um, Next context, for those of you who didn't know, and I honestly hadn't uh, put two and two together. I think some people may have. Um, Man in the Arena came obviously from uh, Theodore Roosevelt. Uh, and that was a speech that he gave. It was actually called Citizen in a Republic. He gave it, and this is a, this was in good context. I did a little bit of research on this as well. Those of you who don't know, he wrote the speech uh, while he was on his hunting tour after um, his presidency. So it is after he technically was in the seat of being the president, he came out, uh, and then he gave a, a really good, uh, one of his probably most memorable speeches about it in Paris. Um, and he did it to a, a group of high aristocrats and, uh, you know, full service officers is what is what they were saying. And I want to read it to start because I think it gives a great context to the whole thing. So let me do that. So April 23rd, 1910, again, a year after he left office, Theodore Roosevelt, Theodore Roosevelt wrote, it's not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena. Those whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, uh, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. So that is a place shall never be those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Uh, Moving, right? Uh, Very moving. Uh, And once you watch the the, the docuseries, I think it's fitting. It's absolutely fitting to to find out what happens and everything. So let's get into that. What's your thoughts on that real quick? I love it. Uh, That man in the arena, that speech is actually kind of new to me. Uh, I'll give props to Jeff Harris, who, um, you know, we kind of got like a little private group that we call the Wolfpack. So have you ever seen those you on LinkedIn or anything else? You see me talk about the Wolfpack and kind of hashtag, if you know, you know, I'm talking to a group of ultra performers that I've got the privilege to intermingle with. And Jeff Harris is one of them. And he has this like posted over his desk or something like that. And he took a picture of it and, and told us all about it one day. And uh, I was like, wow, you know, and, and so it's, it's pretty powerful. And, and what I love about the, the speech is, you know, especially in today's world, this judgmental world, you've heard me say here, like, we need more courage. It's, it's the courage to do what's right, even when everyone's looking right. That, that to me and man in the arena is talking about that, right? Like to put aside the judgment of others. And one of my first lines guide posts when this thing was just a, (laughs) when this silly little thing was just a uh, Instagram page that I was trying to put inspirational stuff that, that inspired me um, was, you know, why do you care what cowards think? And that's a bit of what, you know, man and arena is all about. And and so I, I came to love it, uh, really respected it, like being a part of this docu-series. And like you said, the story it's telling, but yeah. And, and the whole series, man, I really 
it was put together very well. Um, the humility throughout, right. Um, in so many ways. Um, I think certainly, obviously I, I had my own judgments of Tom Brady coming into it. I think we all did. Yeah. I mean, cause like, like we, you know, <clears throat> we're not the bills, but Baltimore, like they talk about like, man, we hated playing those guys, like especially AFC championship. Everybody did. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, right. And, but man, being a being a, a youth football coach and watching this, like, had so much respect for the story as it was told. You know, him as a person. Again, he's telling the story, so I don't, I don't really, I don't truly don't really know the guy, but, but kind of, he feels like he's opening the veil a little bit and allowing us to dive in. But and I did honor his his humility throughout where he'll he'll say like, I screwed up here. This was me. I shouldn't have said that. And you know, he he certainly. I, I've seen enough ego to feel that he was not wearing the ego in throughout this. Um, and, and I, I totally respect that and, and certainly have a new, new light for the dude, um, you know, getting clarity yeah. on it really. So. Yeah. Let's, let's, we'll, let's dive into episode one, which was in the arena. So that was kind of the introduction to it all. Yeah. Um, that year, I think it was a one, uh, you know, they go through the whole gets hum very humbled in the draft process by getting picked number six or the sixth round and thought he was a little bit better. But you can look back on his career and kind of see how he was a little bit, you know, he was going up against Drew Henson in college and he was, you know, so it wasn't he wasn't anointed. It wasn't like he was Peyton Manning coming out, which they reference heavily about, you know, Peyton's coming out as number one and he's the, you know, he's the the, the number one pick in the you know, the next, the best thing to Joe Montana type of a deal. And then you got this other guy. And I think, I think obviously that sets him up, but I think you see some stuff where, you know, even, even at that point, you know, he gets into some things that he talks about when he was with his parents and he was like, I'm going to be famous or whatever. And you could, you see the youthfulness and you see the whole air of like, you know what, like, I, we've talked about this before with ego and there's a fine line between ego and confidence. And I, I think you, that, these are one of these positions where to me, my eyes, um, you need, you need a confident quarterback. You need somebody who's going to be able to lead your team straight from the beginning, especially in the days. Now, back then, let's also put this in context for our non NFL viewers back then. It's not necessarily like that. Now uh, you could sit on a guy and wait behind someone you know, and, and teach a rookie how to come into it, right? There's always that argument, you're going to pay him so much. And I can remember when Sam Bradford came out and he was one of the last ones to get the huge, like, extravagant deal before they put the cap on everybody to make sure that the rookies weren't getting, you know, explosive amounts, to, you know, for these busts to happen. Mm. And so what I noticed from the very beginning, though, is that, and, and I don't think I ever doubted this, right? And I want to make sure this is clear. One thing, I, even though I hated him, <laughs> used that in the context because he killed us, I didn't, I never thought he was never a hard worker, right? You don't get to that spot at all without being a hard worker. And regardless whether what I liked about him in the very beginning is when he got there and he was backing up, uh, 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 he was backing up a number one pick in the draft uh, in Drew Bledsoe mm. and Bledsoe was, was, you know, he was the Peyton Manning type, you know, before Peyton Manning, he was the number one pick. He was, he was doing well. He had taken the, the Patriots to the Super Bowl, but they lost. 
I loved his attitude. I think that he was like, I'm going to learn from this guy. And, and what I drew most from the first thing was that you kind of like, we're hearing it now, like it just happened with Tannehill. And again, this is going to be a very sports centric, obviously docuseries that we're talking, but like right now in the NFL, like Ryan Tannehill said, it's not my job to, to mentor people. And we've heard that before, right? We've heard it with, with Brett Favre, with Aaron Rodgers before. And we've heard things about saying like, look, it's not my job to do that. And I think I loved how Drew Henson, or excuse me, Drew Bledsoe came out and was like, you know, work. I know he's there to take my job. I know he wants to play, but I want to help him out as much as I can. And, and I want him to learn about it. And I think Tom, and it, this is throughout everything. One of the things in every episode, but specifically, and I wrote this down, Dude, he, he said, he goes, I'm a sponge. I just want to be a sponge. And I think that's so important for people of all levels, whether you get installed as a CEO, whether you're the brand new hire and lowest person, I think on any level, be a sponge to things. Don't walk in and think that you just know it all. Obviously, he didn't. He didn't know the playbook. He didn't know the NFL speed, all that kind of stuff. But that that was one of his big things is that he was, you know, not only was he going to make sure that he was going to work hard, but he was going to be a sponge. And, and that was consistent, I think, throughout. And it showed majorly in the first one. Well, and I think that's something that manifested his – greatness right and the success in in the field because like looking back on that in the environment he was in with you know the coaching that was around him the the players that were around him to be a sponge really served him right like he didn't you know um and that that i I, yeah i I appreciate you bringing that up because it's just a call again to how important it is to not close your mind off to be open to perspectives, new knowledge, you know, all of the above learnings from others and their experience. Like it it's, it's forever, right? Those are forever your investments in, you know, your, your success in life and finding your passions, regardless leadership, not leadership, whatever, right. You know, joy of life. Like you got to keep the, you know, the, your mind open and be the sponge, man. Like, um, and I think, you know, with regard to Bledsoe, one of the first things I wrote just kind of watching it play out was I, I, I respected his, um, his humility to come on the show, right? Like to come oh, right. on yeah. and be a part of the story. Um, and you could tell, like, um, he was still emotional about it. Like that, that was a traumatic yeah. event and, and trauma is different for everyone. But, but, but I feel I empathize with him in that, event right because you you know how much these guys have invested in it you know how how invested he was what what a freaking player man like just just man that dude's laying it all out and and you know so to be that guy and kind of have it lost right it's it lost he lost it because i can't say that tom brady didn't earn it um because it certainly that could played out different right like tom brady could have shown up like a rookie and they couldn't wait to get Bledsoe back, but that's not how it went. Um, right. But certainly that that was a traumatic thing for Bledsoe. You could still see it on his face during interviews, like, and, and I empathize with that. But I thought it was still really awesome how respectful he was. And he even says in this episode, he goes, if, if Tom was an ass, like, yeah, yeah I wouldn't did. be here. Like something he like that. It's like, yeah. if, 
it would have been easy in, to do this, right? Yeah. yeah. If he was anything yeah. other than what he is, I, right. you know, he wouldn't have been there. You know. Yeah. So I, I appreciated that. So, so speaking of of people that I think I was actually surprised how much it wasn't about necessarily Brady and how much more other people throughout the entire series that we're we're talking more about, it, right? Yeah. So two two points I want to bring up, and I think it's really important that these come through. Um, you know, one of my favorite books is. Uh, the mentorship of, of Abraham Lincoln and who his mentors were, right. And, and how you get, how you get to be Abraham Lincoln. And I, and I looked at the same way of how do you get to be Tom Brady in that kind of retrospect, right. One of the greatest of your time at the, at the position that you're at probably in, in this case, he's probably the greatest. Um, not probably he is two things that two, two. Hey, uh, can you go- say that one more time and touch your hat when you say that? <clears throat> We're good. I'm, it's okay. Jim, I know I know where we rank. We're fine. I'm not worried about it. Okay. So one, he came from a program that had Bo Shem Butler as its as its hallowed kind of coach at college. He came from the University of Michigan. One of the things I love that Man in the Arena actually was written on their wall back then. Um, and Bo Shem Butler's answer was team, 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 team. Right. Mm-hmm. And I thought, um, I can tell you, and again, my, I know my boss doesn't listen to these. That's one of the things he preaches as well as saying, how do we get the perfect team? And how do you hire, in this case, draft or, or go out and get? I think he came from that team concept. And then when he got to Belichick, Belichick was also nobody's bigger than the team. In this case, not a coach, not anybody. And I think he said that. But he said something I thought was really absolutely uh in my thought it says you can't win until you keep from losing yeah uh belichick said that and i thought that was great i thought that was like you know to me that falls back to being brilliant on your basics right of like look when i look at football they talk about can you make the big play but before they talk about can you make the big play it's do you do the small stuff correctly every single thing and and what i heard consistently from from Belichick was, look, everybody just has to do their job. They don't have to worry about other people. They don't have to worry about pieces. Just do your job for it. And if you do that, and in in my sense, that was a, and I I relate it to Mattis, right? It's the same type of thing. That was being brilliant on your basics. Just do what you need to do. And, And they kept talking about the responsibility was to the person next to you, not to the coaches, not to the fans, not to, it was the person next to you. That's what it was. And I thought that was so critical, not only for like a football team. Like if I was a coach, I would be watching that saying, how do I duplicate that? That's what I want to end up getting, right? I don't want to worry about just one superstar. I don't want to worry about, Mm -hmm. I think about a culture and I think about building something that's going to be that way. I thought that was, I thought that was absolutely, um, you know, and, and I think Tom mentioned in this whole thing, and again, I, I think it's it's it resonates throughout all kinds of stuff, but you know, it said it's a series of small steps. You can look back and, f- and after you take those all those small steps, then you can look back and see how far you've come. And he said that at the end of the this this thing. And I thought that was awesome. I just think again. In business, people are like, what's the next big thing? What's going to happen? And nobody gets that the small steps that were taken, you know, those things aren't brought out to light, right? And you see it sometimes with, you know, you look at Steve Jobs, you look at Gates and you look at them, see them pictures or see a, a, a talk from them back in like the 80s and they're 
they're grinding, man. Like it's a grind to do things and nobody's just all of a sudden poof, getting something out of nothing. And I think that's so important to, to kind of, to take away from it. You know, I used to tell people all the time, I was like, look, nobody works hard for five years in the Navy and doesn't get promoted. Like you do, like if you work hard, do what you're supposed to do and, and hit your wickets, you're going to get that way. But I, I just thought it was interesting. Um, interesting point that those same principles uh, were resonating there in episode one. I, I just thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, I had written down a lot of the same, right? Like the yep. team, team, team thing. You just was shouting the, there's no <clears throat> ego here, right? Like you, you just couldn't put yourself above the team. Uh, and, and you can't win until you can keep from losing. I agree. Like it was, is it, it was again, the part of you watch these organizations like chasing, like bigger clients, but they're losing all their smaller ones, right? Like, and it's like, it, it, there's another episode later, I think called Stopping the Bleeding that kind of talks about that too, that, you know, and and I don't think you can be growing until you're, you know, because I always talk like with clients and others about that. That's a client in, client out, right? Someone's right. coming in the front door and someone's walking out the back door. Well, what good is that, you know, to a right. business? You've got to close that black back door. You've got to build the house so that you can bring in more clients, not you know, you got to go get clients because you're losing other ones, right? Like in, um, you know, so that you can't win until you can keep from losing. I, I found like really translated to what a lot of leaders need to know. It's like, look, we can, we can um, avoid the issues all we want and we can distract ourselves with uh, that shiny thing that we're going to go in, but it's all for not like you're going to keep trying chasing that shiny thing and it's just going to be flowing in the front door out the back door and i, I and i bring that up because you see that right and and i i say and shine a light on that just for awareness right like you've got to you've got to batten down the hatches in order to grow like you've got to address these issues and and one of the things i love about traction you know we've talked about in the eos model is every week in the l10 meeting the leaders are, are listing the issues. What are our issues to solve for our issues, right? Um, and that that forces a leadership team, in my opinion, to talk about those things, right? Yeah, where where are the holes in the bucket? Where are the holes <clears throat> in the boat, right? Um, that's Those conversations are as, if not more important than how many sales are we going to do this quarter? You know, where, where are the holes in the bucket? So yeah. anyways... Yeah. And even in the first one, again, and I, this was probably the, I'll be honest, like the most notes I had was the first one. And, and you can Same. kind of understand too, there's, there's definitely junior moments of leadership that came out the most here, right? Of Tom being a good follower at this point, you, you saw Willie McGinnis come on, who was a senior guy on the team. And, you know, they talk about him having the first locker and everybody having to pass him. And, you know, it was the gauntlet that you had to run through it. But I think it was one of the one of my key points to this, too, is, is that traditionally and again, for those who aren't sports fans, you know, the quarterback ends up being the leader on the team, at least on the offensive side. And usually there's a defensive leader, too. It struck me as pretty interesting, though, and I know I knew this, but, um, you know, Tom can only control 50 percent of his game. Right. 50 percent of the game was on defense. 50 percent of the game was on offense. Tom couldn't control what the defense was doing. And I, I thought it was interesting to have, and I don't, I don't know if I looked at it ever because when I was looking at it with a leadership lens, <clears throat> I was really focusing on, on, on 
you know, like Willie McGinnis in this point was really taking, he was the Tom Brady of the other side. And not to say that even Tom Brady was a leader at this point. I mean, he was thrust into it because, you know, because Drew got hurt. And so, but I, one of the key moments for me was when they got to that Super Bowl and Tom is going crazy in the tunnel, right? He's a 20, whatever year old kid. And Willie McGinnis grabs him and he goes, hey, man, we're going to need you the full game. Calm down, relax, take a breath. And I just look at that as whether that's a chief executive advisor, whether it's your chief of staff, whether it's a mentor or mentee, I think all leaders need to need to take that pause and, and take that advice and say, dude, you've been, you know, you've been grinding for three weeks straight. I know it's been a big project. Take some time, go off on your own and relax. In this case, he just told him, chill out, brother. You know, you're a you're a young buck kid and you were in the Super Bowl. I need you as calm as you can. I need you focused. And and we've heard it time and time again. Your first Super Bowl, you're like, oh, here we go. Um, you know, I thought that was interesting. Uh, well, I was going to say, I don't know if you picked up on it, but that was after Bledsoe had gotten in his face and kind of incited the get crazy, sure. right? But two different two different things, right? Yeah, but yeah. Willie McGinnis then yeah. saw that and pulled him aside, said, "Hey, man, relax. Time to go get focused." And I too took that. I mean, can you did you look at my sheet <laughs> <laughs> uh, but i i wrote that that event down as well because what i noted from a leadership and organizational standpoint was the important role that seniority plays right um, sure. because that's that's a moment of seniority having influence to the new guys and uh i, I just wanted to honor that right because a lot of people yeah you might not be in charge but you've been there eight years you have power. You have power of sure. influence. And we talk a lot about on here, like influence is indirect leadership. Like you're not directly in charge, but you're the senior guy on the team. You've got influence. And that, that was a great example of how, and we see this, you, know, you did your whole thing on the military enlisted and officers and, and you know, uh, you know how the senior, senior enlisted have influence on the young officers or whatever. And, and this, that shines out again. Right. You've got yep. the field general new. He's got his butter bars on. And he's going in the Super Bowl <laughs> and you've got your, you know, senior enlisted going, hey, man, sir, we got we got a button down. Like, yeah, you got to get focused. And I, I, I loved it. I thought it was. a <clears throat> Yeah, I thought great. that was great. It had, I mean, watching Bledsoe and being followership and really helping him and saying, OK, here's my new role. It sucks. Knowing inside he was hating it. I'm sure because he wanted to be out there. You got Willie McGinnis coming on, and those both see. I mean, think about this. Think about a senior person who gets, and it wasn't his fault, obviously, but he got demoted, right? Bledsoe got demoted because of that, you know. And and look, credit. And this is my. This is kind of maybe where we'll wrap up season or the the first episode here. I think this was interesting to me. I knew there was there was a puppet master the whole time, right? And obviously that's Belichick. And he's making really hard decisions about what to do, right? And, and he and obviously he had tons of experience before. He was under Bill Parcells before. He had uh, unwittingly beaten the Bills in 91 with his defense. But what I thought was very interesting was is that <clears throat> I think – and I think this, this is never talked about in business. It's never talked about – but you had someone who was who was doing things 
But you also had, and this is by, there's no, you can't plan for this. You had luck. There was a little bit of luck that had that let the path go on to the way it was. And I and I always, you know, I used to be my my buddies when I got to Whidbey Island, I would they would call me right place, right time because I was just the, the rescues would kind of happen. They'd been a dry spell for rescues, and then all of a sudden, you know, I had the beeper on and and Every time I had the beeper, we would get a we would get a call for something. And I had someone like Willie McGinnis, you know, Benjamin told me before a rescue, he's like, take a breath, get your stuff, let's go do this rescue. And I was like, okay, it was my first one. I felt the exact same way Tom did, right? But the luck piece to me, you know, the tuck rule happened, and and I had watched the tuck rule documentus documentary before with Charles Woodson mm -hmm. and what had happened there. But I looked at as I went from season to season. There was one moment that there was just a bit of luck in how something had happened. And I thought that was really interesting in it all. But again, you put yourself in the position to be lucky. And I truly believe that, right? If you do the right things and you get there, I don't want to say it's always going to happen, but you're prepared for if it's not, or if it's going to be, you know, like, and I, and I thought that was really, I thought that was a Bill Belichick thing where he was make sure people were prepared, do the little things. And then when the luck part, happened nobody had control over the way that the officials saw that that play but that had been completely different and and who knows like that one little thing could have changed I, i'm not saying I, I believe he would have been successful regardless i believe that belichick's whole thing would have right maybe they wouldn't have won the super bowl that year but they would have still won on to do things and and whatever right so but i, I wanted to put that in because i think being prepared for whether something goes unlucky or lucky that you don't have any control over, I think is important because it's resiliency. You can build that into your into your team because that was another thing that resonated throughout season one or episode one was, you know, like Drew Bledsoe and his resiliency with stuff or, or even Tom of saying, man, I got to learn this stuff. And how do I, you know, I think it was really there was some definite resiliency built in. Uh, yeah. And, and, and the other thing I'll give credit <clears throat> to Tom even though kind of getting thrown in there was um, he owned the leadership role early, right? right? Even, even from his position in how, why he was there, why he was starting, like he's still running down the bench, like pumping up the team, like, you know, so right. he's taking ownership despite the, the why the reasons that he was there. Um, and I'll say like, you know, Again, another hats off to Bledsoe. He that he still came in and supported the team, right? When when even he was passed up, right? Like he was still there supporting the team. I'll say, like, I you you said a word before in another conversation, which was distraction, right? He was he did not serve as a distraction, no. uh, which was good good for him. Um, like he still it, he back to team, team, team. Like it wasn't about him. It was about the team. And I, I think that was important to the success of that, right? Because we, poor choice of analogies, but like people have the opportunity to be the cancer, right? And yeah. it manifests itself and get in the ear of other players. And now you've got camps and right. Like, and who knows, but at least it, to me, it didn't come through in the documentary, but that could have been it. Like he could have been the, the, you know, about himself and his ego. And I say he wore it on his sleeve. Like it was hard not to see it. Sure. Regardless of what he said, it was hard not to see how he yep. felt. Yeah. But, he did those interviews in the locker room and you just saw his face and he was like, no. And even one, he said, no comment. And I think, so listen, hear me out though. 
I think that's a Bill Belichick thing too, of saying this is how we roll when, when we do stuff. And I think he knew that. We've seen players, and, and in upcoming seasons when Randy Moss came on board or whatever, we've seen players end up like that, where you could take, and again, we'll get a re- little bit football-centric here, but like you could take other people who are distractors, whether it's Antonio Brown when he was with the Steelers and you know that type of a thing, or Mayfield a little bit now of what's kind of happening in, in somewhat of a way. It's not necessarily the same, a little bit different. Um, but you could tell people, and, and let's be honest, there was less there was less ways to distract right less tempting ways to distract back in 2001 there was no twitter there was no instagram it wasn't like that either where you could have instant access on your own to national media or or to national outlets to be able to put that stuff out there so yeah. it was only the locker room talk for that but you're right he could have easily did that and my guess is is that there was a little bit of belichick saying look dude you know because here's the thing and I say this to, to, you know, my daughter struggled this year, first time playing high school soccer in not a bad way. She didn't struggle with herself. She had never competed before, right? And, and like Drew, he didn't have to compete before because he was anointed from Washington State. He had come in and then he it was a crappy team. And so he got the job. And so there was no true competition. And I think, and you and I are someday going to talk about youth sports, but I think the level of sitting on a bench and seeing something and being able to see it from a bench point of view, if you've never done that, that to me is, is a trait of sports that is, uh, that's highly, in my view, it's highly coveted. I know parents and I know people like, why would you want to sit? But dude, there are things that you can look at from the bench that you can't look at, you know, in, in the game, right? You can, And you see it in a very different way in my eyes. And I think it's absolutely something to grow from. And you can, it's a part of the game that if you haven't learned it, you find people that when they get to the stage and all of a sudden they get it taken away, I think about Powell's, you know, if your ego is tied to your rank or your title and all of a sudden your your title goes away, your ego, you know, is going to drop. Drew didn't have any of that, right? He took it. You would have thought he was like, man, like I just got taken out and he was he was good i mean to you know like it look we get it we understand you were the guy and now you just got replaced by this rookie we get it man like it's you know we'll give you a little bit of leeway like we talked about before you know we give that leeway of saying okay you you get that but it's perfectly human right yeah i think so it's a again i all the stuff i've been doing the last two months around trauma and, and like I just looked at it. That's a traumatic event for him. Like it sure, just absolutely to just have his world flipped the table of his world flipped over uh, unexpectedly. Right? Right. He's helpless to it. Right. Like that's, yeah. It was, it and you know, what's funny, you, space. you know, it's funny. You're, you're not like when you go to war, you're, you're, they prepare you for war. They can't prepare you for losing your buddy next to you. That's not what you can do. They can't prepare you for, what the head injury is going to do to you for a TBI. Like that's not preparable, but they prepare, you knowing, you know, in the best way that they can in the system that we have, this is what you're going to go do. This is what you might see. And even, even injuries, right? We can simulate injuries and the stress of injuries and what that Mm -hmm. can potentially be, but you never know until you're going to get there. You can make an argument that says backups are more prepared for the, for the, for the other part of it, of, of not playing, Whereas a starter who's been the starter and hasn't worked into it and just kind of got it handed to them, 
for, for the right reasons, right? Because right? the team may not have that. So I really did look at Drew. And so you know who I think about? I think about Alex Smith, right? I think about Alex Smith and how he got replaced by Patrick Mahomes, same way, and he mentored him. And Patrick, I love and I'm going to say this too, and, and I've learned, I've grown, matured over the time frame since I live in the Kansas City area. I, Patrick Mahomes gave uh, Alex Smith a ring when they won the Super Bowl. And he, mm-hmm. he went back and he bought him a ring, a replica ring, and gave it to him and said, thank you so much for what you did. You see great examples of people saying, I'm going to, you know, I'll do it the right way and I'll help you mentor. And so I thought this was one of them. And I, I really did see, uh, you know, and Drew came to us, by the way. So we had Drew uh, after this whole thing, Drew Bledsoe. So that was, I thought it was, I looked at, I looked at it that way too and how he came to our team. And really, I, you know, after we don't remember anything, it was a blackout era from from after Jim Kelly retired till Josh Allen. Like it's a blackout era for us. So, but remembering that he the dark like, ages, it is totally that way, right? I just happened to be in the Navy the entire time that was happening, so I just looked at it like that. But, uh, but yeah. So, I mean, again, we're spending a lot of time on episode one because I think it was one of the most important and some absolutely great values. Hey guys, Dale here, and I wanted to take a quick break to invite you to join the launch of the Lions Guy community called The Pride. You see, whether it was at work dealing with the demands of the day or maintaining the demands of my life at home, I always seemed to feel like my struggles were unique, like somehow I was the only one struggling to find joy amidst all the weight that I felt I was carrying each day. And you know what I've come to realize is that we all have our struggles that we're up against, and it's pretty demanding. The only way to rise to those demands is to decide and make the change to adopt a growth mindset, to be what I call a high performer. And that's why I started Lions Guide. I want to help you break through to the next level of you and your ability to not only meet but exceed those demands on you and in doing so, find your joy again. If you're a growth-minded individual ready to make a change, then I'm here for you. And this is how you get started. I invite you to visit lionsguide.com and sign up to join the pride. The pride is the Lions Guide community for growth-minded members like you. Once signed up, you'll get special access to all the free content and resources I'm putting out there. You'll also be invited to join my live online events where I host sessions on personal growth and high performance. You'll also be able to engage with other growth-minded members on our private online group. Also, if you enjoy the podcast as a member, you'll get access not only to all the podcasts, but also the podcasts that have been yet to be released. So get access to all this and more. So break out of that rut, break into your next level and join me on lionsguide.com and let's grow together. Go to lionsguide.com and become a member of the pride today. Now back to the show. Well, let's move on to two because I thought- Can I fill in two more things before we go? two more things, go ahead. And then we'll jump. Uh, So- like Drew, I'll say the other thing I noticed from that is that the team didn't second guess the decision to start Tom in the Super Bowl either. Right. They heard it and they were shocked by it, but they said, this is what it is. Right. Right. They did not carry that into the Yeah, game especially after he won the the AFC championship for them. Drew came in and and But you think like the seniority of that right. team who had played right. around Drew, now he's perfectly healthy. Now we're going into the Super Bowl. Belichick says that we're starting him. Uh, I just noted that, like the team, it it hit them, <clears throat> but they moved on. They're like, sure, all right, this is what we're doing, and go. and And I think, like overall, the lesson in this is you have to fight to stay in your position, right? Like you can't just think because you've been there, you're entitled to it, right? Like. 
I think that was the overall lesson because what happened, right? Uh, Tom had fought to stay in that position. I don't, not despite Bledsoe, but he went in and put in the work. He took the responsibility, went and did his job and earned the right to stay there. He, he fought to stay in that position. Um, so episode two. Yeah. Episode two, right from the bat again. And I, we're going to say this probably everyone, uh, Brady comes off as I'm, I'm a sponge still, right? Like I'm still a sponge and now he's in year, whatever it was, maybe year three. I think it was at this point, I think it was 2003, they moved to. And what I got from him and what he talked about was he was, he was studying the leaders. uh, He was watched, he watched the leaders and he studied them. And what he did was he said, he kept the good stuff and he, and he got rid of all the bad stuff that they were doing. And I thought that was pretty impressive of, of, you know, he was making his own toolbox of who he was going to become. I think what I, the impression I got was, dude, you, you could have easily won a Super Bowl. And we've seen it with other people that it happens where they won a Super Bowl. And now he's like, what's up? I'm the man. And you, I did not get that. I mean, I'm granted every right to, to, we won, right? Well, who was the kid that went to the Browns that did that? Like, just because he made it to the NFL, like before uh, Manziel, Johnny Manziel. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like there you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, Johnny Money, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Right. What? Yeah. So he's in year two, and I and and now now we're talking. I'm, I'm sorry, we're talking year four in episode two. It's year four for them, right? Is what it was. I wrote it down. So now he's still though a sponge. So now I think on year four. And I think if you're an established quarterback by year four, sometimes I think, and I, and, and I got lost on me, that they're still young. If you're established and you've won a Super Bowl by now, like you're not, it's, it's interesting to think that he came out and was like, I'm still a sponge. I'm still learning. I'm still looking at leaders and saying, how do I want to be? And that that's really interesting to me because I, I felt like though he had the position, he was still going through his leadership process and still learning about things in year four. So he had sat behind someone and watched him, he, right? He, he had then gone through the kind of what he had gone through. He's the established guy at this point in time. And I thought that was really interesting that he still was like, you know what, man, I'm a, I'm a sponge. I still want to look about it. One of the things I wrote down, Brady knew, and, and he had mentioned it in this, he knew that winning what they, how they did, it wasn't necessarily about him. It was about Belichick and the defense. He, he very much so admitted that that was what was getting, he was doing his part at that point in time, right? He didn't, he wasn't the gunslinger. He wasn't, he was just doing the things that needed to be done. And I think, Again, this will be an NFL-specific thing, football-specific thing, but you, you've met quarterbacks who are gunslingers. You've seen quarterbacks who are uh, great managers. It was interesting to watch and see what he was doing behind the scenes of, of really collecting his leadership toolbox, making sure his manager and not making the mistakes, which I felt like that was very Belichick-ish of how he came out to do, which is – which showed me restraint as a leader, right? Because he didn't need to, he could have probably been a lot more flamboyant and, and people would have been like, okay, this is, you know, but I think obviously it was, it, that's Belichick kind of team mentality, but I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and it, they even quoted that, right? They said they made the, 
uh, one of the quotes I wrote down was, it, they weren't collecting talent. They were building uh, a team. It. I wrote but, it too. I wrote it right here. I wrote it. Well, I, I got to read my list before you read my, my list. It's my first one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, they talk about that, which I, which again, I respect because like you can go even in an organization, like, you know, we got to go get, if we could recruit Johnny, the lead sales guy from that competitor. Right. Like, but it's not about the talent. It's about the team. Right. And yep. the dynamic. Um, I, I have, you know, talked to clients, for example, that talked about having done that, but those folks were not a fit for the culture and didn't last. And it was disruptive. And, and you see some of this play out, you know, sticking with the NFL, you see some of this play out in other teams, right? You, 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 like you were saying, disruption in locker rooms or whatever. And some of that, uh, well, and, and Moneyball is about that, right? Like, right. Money, that's that's Moneyball for you. And uh, yep. that's a great movie to watch about keeping the main thing the main thing. And what are the leading indicators to winning in baseball right. as opposed to collecting talent to fill seats? And, um, and that's a great movie. A lot of lessons there. But, um, but, but again, it kind of came here with the keeping the main thing, the main thing and building a, a solid team. Um, yeah, I looked at it real quick. So my, 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 I wrote the same thing, right? It's not collecting talent. It's building a team. But when Belichick said that, I look at that as when you you're hiring in the hiring process, right? Like there are things you're going to outweigh. You can look at a resume. People can put whatever they want on resumes, you know, and barring not lying, lying, outright lying on a resume. You could look at somebody and, you know, they may have done something a long time ago. Yes, it could be misleading. And listen, it, it's the process, right? It's the process of how you got to get your foot in the door. It's the process that the calculator looks for certain words. And if you don't have it, you're, it automatically gets thrown out. It, it's not the right process. What I, and, and I'll, again, he doesn't watch it, so I can say it. Very props off. My CEO is like, I want to build a team. I want to build a team that has the right components to do things. And, and that includes, and I think this is important, <clears throat> that includes people who are going to maybe disrupt a little bit the, because it needs it, right? You can't have everybody singing Kumbaya all the time. You want to make people, there, there has to be some pain points at some things to, to get people to grow, right? If you're not comfortable with something, whether you're doing like Laura and I talked about last week, generational things where you have to get people from different generations to do stuff. I thought the NFL was the same way. And I thought Bill was building his team like the same way, right? So you looked at the situations and you were like, so one thing that happened in this episode was Lawyer Malloy, who was obviously without Willie McGinnis and Lawyer Malloy, they probably wouldn't have won before. And he was a very big person, leader on the team. All of a sudden they bring in another safety and they thought they were going to compliment each other. The next thing you know, Lawyer Malloy gets, gets, gets hauled off. And I think that affected Tom. Tom was like, that was my guy. He lived five street, five houses down. Yeah. He was my buddy. And for Tom, he understood the business side of it. I think at that point is what he kind of even mentioned. And I thought that was really important. And I thought about it in leadership of saying, look, whether you are the person making that decision, and we don't know what bills, they didn't go into why Bill and, and those guys made that decision, but it was a realization for Tom saying, okay, there's another side of this whole thing than just about the game and just about the leadership. And that's got to be taken into account. I think when you make business decisions, 
there are times when you could be best friends with somebody or you can be whatever and you're in a position of power and you have to say, okay, hold on. I need to hold you accountable at this point in time. And that's not the friendly thing to do all the time. I thought that was really interesting. And I thought that the way that they handled it was, look, to every other player on the team, do your job. That was Bill's thing. Do your job. Your job is not to worry about Laurie Malloy and worry about, we'll take care of that in the media. That's our job, right? And it happened afterwards when Spygate, same thing. Compartmentalize, and, and I'll get into it the next one, but it was, it was you know, uh, this is a business decision. This is why we did it. And we're going to move on from it. And we're going to build from it. And I, I respected that. And I thought that was pretty interesting to do it. And that's why, you know, uh, we hear about so much in the military, just why fraternization is an, an important topic, right? Because it brings the emotion, right? We're perfectly human. And, you know, more often than not, if fraternization is happening, the emotional decisions are being made Correct. probably more often than the right decisions are being made. And that's that's why we get taught those lessons in, you know, in leadership and NCO schools and on up because it's 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 important. Um I love the part about this episode where they started talking about ignoring the noise. Um, I, I, th- I think that's just an important topic personally, professionally, as an organization that you've got to ignore the noise and stay and focus. I mean, you've got to stay focused on what's important. And I, again, I, 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 it still resonates with, with me, your, your word distraction. Right. And, and I felt that's again, where this comes in that, that you've got to ignore the noise because they're not serving. They're really just distractions, whatever they may be. Um, you know, so that, that was something I wrote down here. Um, and, and another thing I took away on this episode was uh, like, regardless of the obstacles we're going to put in the work. Yeah. Which is yeah, pretty there, powerful. There's no doubt in my mind that, you know, again, with that much success, sometimes you here they go again, or you can blame it on, you know, later on, a Spygate happened, you know, in whatever year that was. And, uh, you know, and you're like, oh, here they go there. It's easy to it's easy to, to, to when you're when you're on the losing end of it all to blame extra things. But there's no doubt in my mind throughout all of this, they were going to work. Richard uh, Sherman actually says that exact thing. He's like, if, if you've got to make the excuse that they're winning because of Spygate or some balls and stuff, you were going to lose anyway. Like, right. Absolutely. Those 100%. are his words. Like, yeah. And, and, and he, it's. Yeah, you look, they dynamically picked people apart and they did it for a long time. And I think Brady, Brady took that later on and you, you know, no lead was safe. I, I just, I mean, obviously the Atlanta Falcons learned that the hard way, but you know, like it was that way from it. And that, and that kind of moves us into episode three. Um, here's what I found interesting. And we're in 2004 now, right? And they win that year too. But what I found interesting was, and Teddy Bruschi was in this one a lot. What I found interesting was Brady's like, I'm tired. Like he was, he admitted, like, I was tired of, okay, let's do it again. And, but he was tired. Like he was just, and I think, I think one of the things I found was, is that you can get to a point where your batteries are just so hype and you get so right. What drains you, what, and he's still young in this whole thing too. And this point, I think he's only 20 maybe five or six or something like that at the time he's he's he he had success early and then life is about to really hit him and the the rigors like you're so high on the juice for so long and then you get into it and you're like okay now the sustainment part of it i look at facebook and i look at like like 
did Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg was high on life and he's getting everything else and it's going well. And now all of a sudden these huge social issues happen or Facebook changes and it becomes something completely different. And you can't just back out of it. You've now, you're fully committed to life into it. Tom, it happened to me with that where Tom, I, I looked at it and one of the things I really loved about this episode was is that Belichick was talking about suppressing success. He wanted to make sure that to, in order to keep them hungry, in order to keep them going. Now, I don't, <laughs> he would berate people on a Monday about very simple things. And the way he went about it was very old school boys club type thing. I It is what it is. I'm not condoning or whatever. But I, I did like the fact that he was suppressing it. And and Teddy Bruschi said it, and I re- and maybe you, I'm sure you wrote this one down. But he said, <clears throat> our, our mentality was compartmentalize the victory compress the success and move on to the next one. I thought that was absolutely powerful of saying you can't rest on the last game. You know, I looked at it in business and going, you get one deal. Great. Take your lessons from it. You know, celebrate it for a moment and then move on. And what are you going to do the next time? Obviously they're working week to week. They know that their, their business decision, you know, the businesses are going to be from week to week is what their gains are. But I thought that was great. Compartmentalize it. Don't ride too high on it. Take your lessons from it. Move on. I thought that was a, a, a great lesson to take. It home. is because look, man, there is no finish line, right? Yeah. There is no finish line. Infinite, and, right? and you'll have folks coming to your organization. I did this and this is where I, I went to school and this is what I did here. And this is that. That's all cute, man. What are you doing right now? Right. What's the end of this week going to look like because of you? All that other crap is goes back to Les Brown. My favorite quote, used to be, don't make no honey. I used to be this. I I used to do that. You know, and and that here under Belichick was instilled in the culture. So what? We won last week, right? We've got to win this week. They were so focused on that next milestone. And and even in the latter episodes, I was just kind of, you know, challenged with um, this part about uh, they were just talking about focus on the next object only they were only focused on the next week and a part of me was like well you know how, what, that's not strategic thinking or whatever but then I kind of stepped back and said wait a minute their strategic plan was to one, win the Super Bowl and each Correct. game was a milestone in <clears> that <throat> so their focus yep. was on each milestone of their overall goal and yeah. I, it just the, the amount of focus that it was, it was awesome. Yeah. We talk about basics, right? Every week, your basics have to be dead on, right? They put tactics in. I love, I, I love the inside too, right? As a big football fan, I was, I love the inside of how things were working on a normal team where Tuesday you'd watch film Wednesday, you'd put in something else. Thursday, you'd go through it all Friday. You were, you know, you were just basically going through walkthroughs and be ready for the game. Saturday was the relax day. So I thought that was interesting. Well, you got to have um, a system, man. Like, yeah, you got to have a system. And that was their system to prepare for the next milestone. And and yeah. and, and that's and I, I say that specifically for those of you guys out there running the organization. You've got to have a system. Period. Now, what you just described were the buckets of the system and what happens within those buckets may change for each opponent that they're going to see, yep. but you got to have a system because you can't make adjustments if you don't have a system, uh, so to speak. So, yeah. One of the big things I took from that too, and Tom even says it, he said, one of my big leadership traits is caring. Um, I thought that was 
pretty, I thought that was pretty dynamic. And, and again, you're in 2004, he's been in the year, he's been in the league for five years or whatever at this point. So I thought that was really interesting that that is part of his leadership thing. And again, when you're so good, you can come off very cold and he comes off when he makes interviews, he comes off pretty cold uh, sometimes about how to do it. And I thought that was really interesting that he recognized that one of his things was caring and compassion. And we talked about resiliency today and, and knowing that that was there. And, and I don't think I didn't never thought he didn't care about his teammates, but to hear him say it was pretty good. And he, um, I wrote that he knew, he knew the whole team. Like he knew yeah. them. like, you know, so. Yep. And, and you know what? That bled over into episode four when a very sports moment to me. And again, Randy Moss stepped on the scene. This was a, this was their big year uh, that they had the, 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 you know, the, the, they went 17 and 0 and whatever, and finally lost to the giants in the Super Bowl. I thought for Randy told a story that he snuck in to a game when they were playing and, you know, went to meet him and said, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, screw up your time. I just want to know, I want to play with you. He's reviving his career. He's got a bad Apple attitude that comes through. And, you know, I think Tom, Tom noticed at this point, you know, management said, what do you think about him? And he, I think that was really when he became what we see as when, you know, when, when you hear about Aaron Rodgers not having decisions in Green Bay and not being brought in on stuff. And, you know, they went to him behind the scenes and asked him about that. And I thought that was really good because I think Tom took on a different role of think at that time of being able to be a leader that Randy could look to and, and be able to kind of say, okay, how do I do it? I thought it was very big of Randy Moss, who I think until that point in time really got looked at as kind of a, uh, a bad boy, if you will, right? Right. In the bad boy receivers club that, that kind of people get labeled as, and then all of a sudden he goes there and super humble. And I thought we all, I think that to me became, I think we blamed it, not blamed. I think we accredited it to, well, dude, when you're with Belichick, you shut your mouth and you do your job or you're going to be off, which I think is true. But I think Tom took it on board and said, dude, I have this, I have this person that I could kind of help. And I looked it back at his caring and, and that Moss went out of his way to do that. I thought was, I thought it was just really, really well to do. Uh, I found it funny that during the season, uh, which is very unpatriot-like, uh, Brady made that Super Bowl prediction and kind of was like 14 points. And and I I thought it was good because you know he's got that confidence, and I think he let the ego slip out, like we talked about before with ego. And they got, you know, they it was the, the, it, right. The universe makes you pay for such it things. It does, it totally does. <laughs> and I thought it was really good though, <clears throat> because it showed me a human side that we all kind of have in saying there is, it's, 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 it's a human trait. It's, it's not a bad thing. It's a human trait. It was, if you want to say suppressed or, or however we deal with it, I just thought it was good to see it. And I obviously I didn't hear it because I don't want, if it's, if the bills aren't in it, I'm usually not watching any hype up to it, but I just thought it was really good to, to see that for him and understand it. And, and one of the things I took from the end of that episode was he was devastated. They were all devastated by that loss, right? And they all had it. And, you know, the catch was incredible on the top of the helmet. I just thought this was what I took from this, though. And he said this. He goes, it made me appreciate the good fortune of others when it doesn't go your way. I think that is so impactful just as a human and being good of just being like, hey, you know what? I, it wasn't us, but 
I learned to appreciate the good fortune that other people had when it wasn't our time because he had nothing to do with that, right? He had nothing to do with Tyree catching it and Manning throwing it and Manning getting out, who isn't the ironic of, the, of, of, of a Manning trying to scramble is hilarious to me. But that it all happened and that Tom came out and said that, you know, that he does now and looked at it, he goes, it made me appreciate the good fortune of others. That's not a business thing to me. That's not a leadership thing to me. That's a human thing. And I think, I think that's important to make sure that we're not being a leader isn't about being a robot and, and checking off things. It's just about, you know, he learned a very human trait when he did that or when he came out with that. And I think that's so important when we, we look at all this. Uh, and, and from episode four, the only note I really had, because it was, it was a, a, a fun episode to watch, but Strahan was on there and, uh, and he talked about, he wasn't even supposed to be there, but his only intention was to be there and have fun. Right. And it really speaks to this mindset. Like the truth of the matter is that our brain, our reticulator activating system, if we have to do something, we're going to push back against getting it done. Like the have to. So if you think about the things that you have to do, you know, and you truly it's like, I have to do this. There's some have to's that you hold off from doing. But when you think about it, you get to do things, right? You change that mindset. Like I have to go to work versus I get to go to work. I have yeah. to lead this team versus I get to lead this team. I have to do this streamcast versus I get to do this streamcast, right? right. It is such a game changer in your mindset and what you can get done. And I felt like Strahan's part in this episode spoke to, he just wanted to go have fun. He got to play football, right? right. He got to go play football. He got to go play football for another year and how that turned out for him. He like didn't have nothing to lose. I mean, it's, it's cool. Just, yeah, playing with that. I will listen. So um, we are coming to the end of our time. We have a hard stop today that we have to do. I know we only got to one to four for our viewers, but you know what? It's worth it. Um, we'd rather do content and push. And we can always do uh, six through 10. And we're going to do six through 10. Uh, so we'll do six through 10 uh, next we'll do, month. We'll do five through 10 because uh, episode oh, five. Through 10, sorry, yeah, five episode five um, brings Giselle in. Yes. And starts to, I wanted to get into that one because it talks about the importance of the support system, yes, right? Absolutely. So that's going to dive into this holistic approach of your life and your job yes. and your leadership. I think yes. that's important. So I do too. So that's yeah, good, good stuff. Yeah. Go check, go watch Man Arena so you can follow along. Uh, it's on Disney Plus. ESPN even if Plus. you, even if you hated the Patriots for all those years, and I promise you nobody hated them, unless you're a Jets and a, and a, and a there's a reason for Memorial Day. It's to remember those we lost. So I appreciate all the thank you for your services and all that stuff. That's not what that day's about. Remember who we lost. Remember why we're here. Have a good Memorial Day. And listen, have fun. Those people didn't die. Those people didn't sacrifice uh, for us not to. We, we live in America. I read a great thing today about uh, someone who basically lost two sons and said, my son told me, you know, before he went over there, dad, if I die, make sure that Memorial Day is still about having fun. It's still about doing those things. But remember us, but have fun because this is what we died for. And I think that's really important to do. So uh, have your reflection moment, but make sure uh, you're spending it with the ones you love and, and be thankful for what we have. So yep. um, good point. Have a great weekend. Have a safe weekend. Everybody, we'll see you next week. As always, flip out. We'll see Thanks, you guys Flip. Later. Thanks, hey, guys. Bye-bye.